you have your Bible decree, let's do it together before the kids are dismissed to head back to Children's Chapel. We do our Bible decree every week. So if you have your Bible and you're happy to proclaim the name of Jesus, hold your banner high, right? Here's what it says. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen and amen. Whew. All right, children, you are dismissed. I'm back to playing with some of these mics. I just wake you up. You know, I have small little ears. So uh, sometimes it falls off. So I've been, I've been experimenting with uh, some of these. So when you have tiny little ears, then your glasses go on there. You kind of lose. You, you miss where you're at and what you're doing, all that kind of good stuff. So anyhow, to each and every one of you here and to each person that's online, it's a gift to share this time together, growing together. But I want to ask you, or I want to begin by asking all of us this morning to reflect just for a moment. Are you a safe person? Are you a safe person? I don't mean are you likely to become violent. I mean are you safe for others to approach and relate to? Do you relate to other people as a a threat you need to defend against or as a gift to be opened? What kind of space do you create for others? And as we continue on this focus, in our focus and series on building better relationships, this may be one of the most important questions I believe that we need to ask ourselves. This series is about building better relationships and every point of relating we are engaging the qualities that can help us develop better relationships with those we are just beginning to engage with as well as building better relationships with family and friends who we have known for many years and no matter the state of our relational life we can all move further from isolation to intimacy We can all develop more meaningful connections. And I have to agree with many of you, it's not easy. We don't love others as naturally as we'd like. So we are looking today at the one who embodied the very nature of God. That is Christ. So shout Jesus from the mountains. I just added that in there. And how he loved this world. And how the love of God was reflected in the patterns of his life. And today we can embrace those all on our own. In Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 through 2, the reason why I've been kind of giving different uh, texts and translations is because I think it really says a lot about Ephesians 5. Here's what it says. You can follow with me. Watch what God does. And then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. I believe that we need to watch what God does. 
You know, when you're a little boy or a little girl, you watch what your parents do, right? You imitate their life. At least we should. Many of us parents should stop and ask ourselves, am I imitating the one that I'm following who is Jesus? So it starts off right there. Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 5, watch what God does. Pattern your life after him. Live your life after him. And today the pattern we are engaging is how to see others, learning to see others as Jesus saw them. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for helping all of us to build better relationships, to form those relationships. But Father, to uh, I want to say today, uh, be a little bit more intentional to be a part of people's spaces. So God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your word. Lord, today I pray that uh, you'll teach each and every one of us the value of building better relationships. The value of being more like you and less like us. So, Father, speak to our hearts today. Convict us today. Change us. In your holy name we pray. In the powerful, wonderful, healing name of Jesus. Amen. Because the way we see people determines how we treat people, most of us may presume that we see people with respect and treat them well. But what about if they aren't being kind to us? What if they are annoying? Or maybe for some of us, what about if they're offensive? Or worse, I don't see what they can do to me. Maybe I don't see them at all. So how does God see people? What did Jesus see as the biblical account of Matthew describes here in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 and 36? Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 9. It says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them because they were being harassed, and yet he noticed that they were helpless. He had mercy on them, and he had compassion on them. Matthew is telling us how Jesus saw the crowds. The crowds. Not the select, not the special. Are you following me? But the crowds which represent the common nature of people like you and I and everyone else in the world. We can assume such lives included the same offensive attitudes and behaviors that are common among human life. There is no sense that they held much that Jesus could get from them. As he seemed to have already understood how the hearts of humanity would turn on him. When in any sense of transitional desires for power were deemed done with, he sees these common lives. And every person with compassion. Compassion is not, listen, compassion is not simply having pity for someone at a distance. It's a word that speaks of actual connection. I believe that's, if you come in, you'll see in the foyer, it talks about we're a community that connects with people. The word used here, translated as compassion, speaks of how another life is allowed to be taken in and to affect us deep inside. It's about bringing them in toward yourself. 
it's helpful to understand that it's not simply the opposite of seeing someone critically. Now listen. It isn't a matter of being blind to the problems in another person. Seeing with compassion is about seeing more that simply seeing with critical eyes, seeing critically and seeing compassionately are not simply opposites, but rather a matter of one being more fundamental than the other. A parent may be critical of the child's behavior, but they are more defined as a parent than a judge, more given to restore than to condemn. Wouldn't you agree? You know, we've been talking about forming those relationships and bonds and looking at people with mercy and compassion. When I said, you know, as you leave, God's going to challenge each and every one of us last week to be better at our walk in Christ. I don't care if it's in the workplace or in your family, wherever it's at, we're all challenged to be better. Well, last week after the service, you heard me talk about Rich and John. They're the guys that are doing some work over at the parsonage. He took it literal. As they were driving down the road, they came to a stop sign or a red light. I just have to do this for you, Rich. (laughs) Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. He was just trying to show compassion. As he noticed the car ahead of him, two people were duking it out. Pulling hair, punching each other in the face. Just having the time of their life. So Rich did what any wonderful Christian person would do, sharing the love of Christ. He got out of his car. He walked over there. And as he looked in, he thought it was two women. But it was a man with long hair and a woman. And they were just going at it oblivious to what was going on around them so rich proceeds to show brotherly kindness and compassion don't you see how i just kind of worked this in here i mean it would help you out some um so he reaches in the car to grab a hold of the guy and do what all of us men do yank him right out of there with some brotherly love Well, as he did, the guy took off, took off, put it in drive, and drug him down the road. This was just last Sunday after service. He then texts me and says, all I was trying to do, Pastor, was show some brotherly love, some kindness, just forming a friendship. Well, that guy didn't want to be a friend of yours. I'm just telling you that much as he drug him. So I asked Eric, I go, what was that like watching your husband being drugged down the road? Goodness. I want you to guys know he's here. But his legs are tore up. And I will, for sake of uh, the visual of show and tell today, we will not show everybody that picture that I witnessed and saw. And it was bad. You know, sometimes we have a, a way of trying to show compassion and understanding compassion for people. But I want you to know that it can be critical to your life. He's not your friend. Amen. Here's what, here's what John is actually saying in the Gospels in John chapter 3, verse 17. Here's what he said. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And then it says in John chapter 12, verse 47, it says that if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Jesus doesn't dismiss the behavior of others, but he sees more than simply our behavior. 
He saw that the people were lost. And they had wandered, gone astray like sheep without a shepherd, leaving themselves harassed and helpless. He didn't come to simply pronounce the judgment we face, but to provide the grace to come home and be who they were meant to be. You know, back when we were on Riverside Drive, we received a phone call as the, the men were coming up onto the, to the property. They were opening up. The officers were there and they called me and said, Pastor, somebody has turfed the lawn. And so I started thinking about this text and I started remembering what happened. I mean, they, we had just Saturday, we had landscaped the whole front of the church. It was beautiful. And come in on Sunday morning and the bushes were annihilated. Everything in the front yard was just tore up. Well, one of the officers was an Akron police cop, a lieutenant at that time. So he said, well, there's something we could do. And I go, well, what is that, brother? And he said, well, it's very simple. God has a sense of humor. The license plate fell off the truck while they were tearing up our yard. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets. And I thought, hmm, isn't this interesting? We had a choice to love them to Calvary or condemn them to hell. And we chose to love them. And it was very simple because the place that the people that turfed the lawn and tore up the shrubs was so far away, it just shocked me across the street. Good neighbors. Glad you're looking out for us. Because guess who is? Jesus. So we did what anybody would do. The cops, they went over there, knocked on the door. I went over there, and he said, what? What happened? Well, that, that explains why my truck's not out front here. Because my brother was drunk and ripped off my truck, stole my truck, and turfed the church lawn? Who does a thing like that to your neighbors? And, and I could still remember it. It was amazing. Because they came over, the brother said, like, listen. I'll take care of it all. So we went down to the most inexpensive place that was around Donzell's. <laughs> Picked up all of our shrubs that we just put in the day before. And, uh, but it was great. So I said, can I help you guys? They're like, sure. I think they were like shocked that I wanted to help them. Well, I wanted to help them because I wasn't here to condemn them. You see, God sent his son to the world not to condemn the world, but the world would see Jesus through him. So I helped him. We went down to Donzell's. We picked him up, rode in the same truck. And as I hear this big, huge story between the brothers and what their life's like and what they went through, and the one brother was just terribly humiliated because of what his brother had done. But after they were done, I said, guys, come on in here. You guys hungry? Let's eat. So I just kind of, I sat down on the steps and I said, let's just talk. So we just kind of talked and and I thought to myself, you know, this is amazing that God's allowing me to have the opportunity because we don't get the opportunity to meet the people that drag us down a street, right? But God will allow that to happen. 
And all that matters is how we handle ourselves and the grace that we bestow on them. And so I ended up praying with him. And I looked at the one boy and I said, do you know Jesus? And his one brother said, well, I, I asked Christ into my heart and my life. And I said, well, do you know Jesus? He said, no, I don't know Jesus. I said, do you know you have to break the stronghold of your life? And you have to understand that Christ came to die for you. Do you know this happened for a reason? And the kids like this actually started crying. We had such a great time. I wish I could see those guys again. But the one brother was so humiliated that they moved. They were out of there in a week. They moved all together. He was just so ashamed of what he had done. But guess what took place for the season of grace in his life? When we have a tendency to be critical to somebody, guess what God did? God introduced him to a man who was on the other side of the street so I could give him the gospel of grace and the gospel of Jesus. You know, we're, we're so quick to say, hello, I'd like to press charges towards this idiot. But he, ta- he tells us all the time, don't condemn people for their flaws. Hey, I'm not talking befriend everybody. I'm saying have safe boundaries, but understand why God sent his son into the world. Not to condemn it, but to to love the world, to save the world. Jesus doesn't dismiss the behaviors of others. But he sees more than simply our behavior. He saw that the Jewish people were lost. They had wandered, gone astray like sheep without a shepherd, leaving themselves harassed and helpless. He didn't come to simply pronounce the judgment we face, but to provide the grace to come back home and be who they were meant to be. I love this example. I think it's one of the greatest examples of how Jesus saw someone and related differently. I want you to follow, if you will, with me in Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. And here's the story. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now watch this. It doesn't say that he was just a tax collector. It says that he was the chief tax collector. Now watch. Maybe circle it in your Bible. Because I believe that, that as the Holy Spirit took the writers... He always expounds certain words because he wants us to see the love that God had for the world. He said, and he was a chief tax collector and was very, very wealthy. And it says here, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. <clears throat> so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Excuse me. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. 
And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For it says here, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. This encounter has long been a joy to imagine. And it captures how Jesus loved people in provocative yet powerful ways. Jesus is once again nearing a city. And it's the city of Jericho. Now watch. Which was no small town at all. It was a town with plenty of merchant activity. And a choice spot for tax collectors. Rome knew that the best way to collect collect taxes was to employ some local Jews to do the work. Which meant finding some willing to turn on their own people and serve the oppressor. And even worse, such tax collectors were known to use the opportunity to, to demand even more than Rome required. And to take for themselves. Which made them hated by both their fellow Jews and also the Romans. You can imagine the depth of hate the people felt towards one of their own, both betraying his own people in service to the oppressor and cheating his own people out of greed. A tax collector was the very definition of a moral outcast, the lost cause. In fact, Jews of his time often used the phrase sinners and tax collectors, suggesting that tax collectors were seen as a class of their own. We don't know just how Zacchaeus actually carried out such a notorious role, but we do know that he must have done his job well because he was a chief tax collector. And he oversaw other tax collectors as well. It's safe to say that he likely had more money than the most. Than most, It was despised, and he was despised above all. It's not hard to imagine that he felt the weight of isolation. We know from these brief words is this. It's said that Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. It says he was short. And so we know this would find, him, find it very challenging for him. Because he also didn't want to be seen. Notice that it says he went out ahead probably to avoid being noticed and find a spot where he, being shorter than most, could see. Where nobody would see him. How many lives may want to see Jesus this morning? But are afraid of people seeing them. Zacchaeus thought he was in a position where nobody would see him, or so he thought. And so begins the way of Jesus. Now watch this. Jesus sees him, calls to him, invites himself over, and it becomes a complete reset for Zacchaeus. In the end, a man came down from the tree in which he was hiding in shame. How can we learn to see people like Jesus? How can we learn to see people like Jesus with compassion that allows us to be safe and approachable? It's easy for you to see me up here, right? But let me show you something. So if I were to come back here and sit, let me sit right here. If I were to come back here and sit, 
How you doing, sir? Good. Welcome to church. I'm building better relationships, learning to see others like Jesus. Now, am I blending in? I'm really blending in, aren't I? The point can't even see me. Everybody watching online and probably thinking they can't see me. All right, we'll fix this real quick. All right, so people, listen, we have a tendency to hide so people can't see us. But here's reality. Zacchaeus knew the kind of person he was. Zacchaeus knew the type of sinner he was. And it says that Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in that sycamore tree to see what he wanted to see. For the Lord, he wanted to see. Thank you, honey, for my oldest daughter. Well, why? I think there's two things we can see here. And I'm going to say this as we close, and I'm going to go to the points next week. Because there's no reason to get into it. I just want to, I kind of want to, to bring it to a close here. And then next week we'll look at how we can learn from Jesus. Because I really want to teach you guys a valuable lesson. For some of us in this room, we're very small. And I'm not saying by stature. I'm saying in relationship or relationally with Christ. I think we look at ourselves as small. But I want you to know that you are are of value to Christ. And it says, here's what happened. Zacchaeus says he was up in that tree. That Jesus noticed him from the streets. Now picture this. We have a tendency to want to hide because of the crowd we keep and the people we hang out with. We have a tendency to want to camouflage ourselves so others can't see Christ in our life. But I believe the challenge for Zacchaeus was this, that he was such a deep, deep, dark sinner. That he was so deep into sin that when he heard about the Messiah coming, he heard about Jesus, who was the healer, the way maker, the promise keeper, light in the darkness. He wanted to find out who he was because he already knew who he was, a sinner. We're learning from this story that here's what he did. He repented. He said, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I think repentance took place way, way before he even climbed up in the tree. He was anticipating. I think there was some shame that was there. We all deal with shame. In our ladies class this morning, I wasn't in there, but I heard. We deal with shame. There was once a lady who told her husband as she was looking out, she's like, why do the neighbors keep hanging up dirty, dirty, dirty laundry? Why do they keep hanging up dirty laundry? And the husband's like, I don't know. They need to learn how to wash clothes more properly. A few days went by and she kept saying the same thing. Well, look at how the neighbors are are hanging up that dirty laundry. What What is all that about? One day she gets up and looks out the window and notices... Whoa, 
Look what happened. The neighbors have clean laundry. Look at her. She must have learned how. I know she, she knows how to do it the proper way. Put it in the washing machine, turn it on, clean it. And the husband looked at her real funny and he says, what are you talking about? I got out yesterday and cleaned the windows off in our house. Isn't perspective everything? I think sometimes we see ourselves worse off than the way Jesus sees us. That if we gotten so busy that we forgot to look around and see who's around us and what they're going through, to lead them to a Savior. Have we came to a place in our life where we have forgotten who Jesus is? Zacchaeus, he might have been just a little dude, but I truly believe that he stopped, he listened, he thought, and then he reacted. And Jesus saw him in the midst of everybody else. He already knew what he was doing. You know God knows your heart, and it's time for you to repent. It's time for you to have freedom. It's time for you to lay down those strongholds. It's time for you to accept and receive a miracle today. Forgiveness is for every person, for every sinner that comes to the saving grace of Jesus. You know, that's what that song's all about. It says that you'll only find peace in the presence of me. Are we so busy that we can't invite somebody over into our circle of influence, into our space? Because we have failed to be the light of Christ because we're too busy. Maybe we're too selfish. Maybe we're too sinful. So today I want to challenge you, church. Come to a place where you can accept the saving grace of Jesus. Maybe you are Zacchaeus. Maybe you understand that you are the chief of sinners. And it's time to come back to a Jesus who wants to free you, to deliver you, and to give you a hope, a future, and a life. You see, it says in the scriptures, he's not here to harm you. He's here to free you. Church, the only way we can ever grow in Jesus Christ and as a community to build better relationships is to understand we need to fulfill God's will in our life. And that is to accept who we are. And that's exactly what Zacchaeus did. So when you do some soul searching this morning, you ask yourself a question. So God, is there enough space or is there enough grace in my space for other people? I'll tell you this, Rich is probably ticked off thinking, I'm going to get a hold of that guy and I'm going to show him a little bit of who I really am. That's our flesh. You drug me down the road. But what about if God allowed that happen for a reason? That wasn't by mistake. That wasn't by no accident. Because God's trying you every single day. And God's trying every one of us. So when the song says that we need to claim Jesus From the mountains, in the streets, from the fig tree, no matter where we're at, we need to proclaim the name of Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? I'm going to ask you a question if you all rise to your feet. We come in here all the time and we we talk about coming to church and we practice our religious responsibilities and as the praise team comes, I'm going to ask you an important question. 
When was the last time you experienced the grace of Christ? When was the last time you experienced the Holy Spirit? When was the last time you came to him and said, Lord, I'm asking you to pull down the strongholds of my life. Lord, I need freedom. I need deliverance. I know that I know where I'm at in you, and I, I need to confess some of this stuff to you. I need delivered today. I've been ashamed of the way I've lived my life. Maybe I haven't responded the right way. Maybe I'm a little bit ang- angry or I argue in ways that I'm constantly showing my, my pride. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. This morning, how can we learn to see people like Jesus does? Do we see them? Does this community, New Hope Talmadge, as we look at ourselves, do we see people like Jesus? And how can we learn to see people like Jesus with compassion? And that allows us to be safe and approachable. So this week, may you be challenged on every level to view your life in Christ and ask God, God, I need you today. And if there's somebody in this room that's been struggling, maybe you haven't had the courage to come forward and just lay it at the altar. We have an altar call at this church. It's called Invitation. So today, I invite you to come. If you need prayer, we're up here to sing, to pray, allow you to have quiet time. But we can also pray for you as well. It's an invitation to come to know the same Jesus that Zacchaeus knew. Would you come to him today? Because he's here to save you and to deliver you and to give you freedom. Maybe you have been traveling down a road that is not too honorable to Christ. Would you come today? Let us pray. Father, I pray that we'll start to see people like you see them. Father, I'm thankful that Today we've come to this place. Lord, may we feel your presence. May we we understand the seriousness and urgency of confessing our sin before you. God, help us to have a better relationship with you. Even though Zacchaeus saw you coming down the street, you stopped where you were at and you noticed the sinner. The chief of sinners. The chief tax collector. The one who who lost his perspective, but you still considered him valuable. So God, would you challenge each and every one of us to to walk in holiness, to be holy, for you are holy. Father, may we see people like you see people, to love them, pray for them, not to condemn them. God, we're all different people from different cultures. From, from, We all have different parents. We've been raised differently. But God, we need you today. Help us to live a life that's worthy of your honor and your glory. To walk in the ways of Christ. So God, we ask for you to pull down the strongholds of this country, of this city, of these people, of your children. God, deliver us today. For we bind Satan in the name of Jesus Christ. God, we love you. We worship you today. We honor you. In your holy name we pray. Amen.